It's time to crack a cold one and wreck some rankings. On Wrecked Rankings. This is Wrecked Rankings coming to you from a galaxy far, far away. Not not, not like too far. A studio far, far away. Is that a little bit better? Well, I mean, the studio's not that far away. I mean, (laughs) you could commute. Uh, Distance is relative, but uh, today we are going to. (laughs) Today we are going to uh, rank the the five best and worst Star Wars characters, and I already know this is going to be a very loaded topic where it's going to be controversial, no matter what way we handle this. There's no controversy. Okay, look, this is the definitive list. You share this with your friends. You share it with your family. There's there's no denying our. You know our prowess for the Star Wars universe. True. So uh, I think one of the things to unpack is there is a horrific amount of Star Wars characters at this point. What do you, <laughs> so, what do you mean by horrific? I mean there is a, a large volume of characters that have been entered into the series at various points. I mean you've got several movies, you've got TV shows out there these mm-hmm. days. I mean. The Star Wars universe is, universe is just abundant now with characters. I guess even if you include uh, the video game uh, genre as well, there, there's more to add there. There's there's just an unbelievable amount of Star Wars lore at this point. It, it, it's a really great time to be a fan. You know, some may be considered canon, some may not. I've considered all of this. Um, I may have skewed a little more towards the movies. Then some of the TV shows, again, I am familiar with most of the TV shows, but there might be a character or two that don't appear. Um, But that was kind of my thinking. Everything was a fair game. I didn't consider video game characters. Yeah, I I, I didn't consider the the video games. I'd never played the Knights of the Old Republic, and I know a lot of people are in love with the the stories in those. Um, uh, I'm not big on the animated shows and, and, and content there. So I guess you got Clone Wars and Rebels. And so I know there's going to be somebody, oh, the best list should have had this uh, obscure character from uh, mm-hmm. Clone Wars. But uh, so that, I, I know I'm going to get some hate for that already. But uh, other than that, yeah, no, I'm kind of right there with you. The, the biggest entry, like the most visible pieces of the universe are the movies. Mm-hmm. And it, it's pretty much always going to be that way. I mean, diehard fans are going to seek the stuff elsewhere. But but no, I, I, think, I think we're on the same page on that front. Well, I mean, you know what else is consistent? <clears throat> Us drinking a beer on the podcast. That is true. So, do you want to tell them what we're drinking today, Nathan? So, we are drinking from the Carbach Brewery in Houston. It is the Hella Cella. It is a Michelada beer that is in a can. If you're unfamiliar with what a Michelada is, it's it's almost like a beer cocktail of sorts, where you, you have a beer as your base, uh, normally a, a lighter beer, and then you mix in other types of things, whether it be lime juice or you know, tomato juice, uh, spices, those kinds of things. And, and so what the, this beer is here is it's supposed to be a spicy version of that that has been canned and provided to where you do not have to make it on your own. Uh, so, so it's something that you can pick up at your store and, and try it that way. Uh, do you have any first impressions? So I like it. You know, being of Hispanic heritage, um, I, I know a good michelada. Uh, when I have it, and this is not bad, you know, for a canned variety, it comes off as mm-hmm. there actually is some spice to it, which I was mm-hmm. kind of concerned about. A lot of times when you see things labeled as spicy, um, especially for me, they aren't. <laughs> but this, this one actually has a little kick to it. Uh, you did say from Houston, which Houston? Which Houston is this brewery in? Houston, Texas. I okay. don't. I don't know where we're going with this. I just wanted to make sure that there's, <laughs> there's like Houston, Mississippi. I, I do not. There's probably other any Houston. other Houston. Well, just, we have listeners all over the place. So make sure. That's fair. I appreciate your clarification. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to get on with the list, bud? All right. Yeah. So we're we're gonna go into this. I think what I'm gonna do is I'll basically present the character I've decided to include in the best list. I'll kind of open it up. And okay. maybe we'll kind of immediately go into a back and forth because I guess a lot of these are going to be very familiar to us. Um, and it is very hard deciding which ones to include and yep. not include in the top five. So I'm just going to start it off right here. Number five, Chewbacca. Number five? Yes. Are you disappointed that he's on the list or that he's too low on the list? I think he's too low. But anyway, you know, okay. state your case. Go ahead. All right. So Chewbacca... All right, some of the primary reasons that he's on this list. One, he's one of the most iconic Star Wars characters, um, especially as a non-human. 
Uh, I mean, Chewbacca is obviously a, a Wookiee, which is definitely not human. Uh, he, he is he's covered in hair, uh, as 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 Wookies are ought to be. Uh, but but uh, really, he, you see him kind of in all these movies uh, where he's pretty much the best friend anybody could ever hope for. Mm-hmm. Where he's there, he's he's willing to die for you. He he's kind of basically by Han Solo's side at any chance he has. He, he's basically the most loyal person that you ever. It, it's basically if you want to go into battle and you you want to know you got a true bro that's down with the cause. I mean, I mean Chewbacca's that that bro. So you know, I don't think we had to say this, but spoiler alert, I guess if you somehow haven't seen. All oh yeah, Star- well, let's just say it, yeah. There's the we're other- going to be talking about Star Wars. If you have not seen the Star Wars movies, um, correct. The cartoons, or sorry, I guess, I don't know what you call them, animations, or, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess the Mandalorian is in play here, too. There could be various spoilers, so this is the last warning I think we'll give. Uh, this is going to be a spoiler-laden episode, I'm sure. Yeah, so, I love Chewbacca. Um, part of me is a little sour, because, you know, in the last film, you know, they, they kind of, like, had a death, and then they kind of retconned it, like, ten minutes later. Remember, like, you, I you know, that. I... I'm happy that he is alive. I really am. However, for the stake, you know, for like stakes in the movie and, in, you know, in the whole universe, kind of felt they should have stuck with that death. I felt it would have been more impactful <clears throat> and made the play at the end a lot more, you know, meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, he, he's like your favorite dog. He, <laughs> he's just, he's loyal. He's always there. He gets fur everywhere. Um, he is a fantastic character. It's like if you could take all the great traits of a dog and put it into a person. That that's what Chewbacca is. Yeah, and he expresses emotion like nobody else yeah. in the series. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even use any any English. He doesn't words. need to. He, uh, he, he yeah, he, he gets across everything. He, he's kind of a master of communication in that sense. I, I, I mean, you can't go anywhere without. Uh, mentioning Chewbacca and somebody trying to utter some kind of guttural sound or whatever you want to call it, trying to impersonate it. Uh, I'd like to hear you do, nope, do the not at all. Not at all. Look, look, look. <laughs> Don't stop that. Stop that. Look. But like, he doesn't ever judge you. It's like Han Solo obviously makes a lot of mistakes, but you know, he stays by his side throughout the entire time. He's from one of the coolest planets. Kashyyyk <laughs> is one of the coolest planets. I'll give you that. Uh, Kashyyyk is, is definitely a cool planet. Uh, there, there are lots of cool planets, though, with uh, Star Wars. That, that's uh, not a great thing. They vary them up uh, a fair amount. There is, but I do you, remember. I, I remember fondly having a lot of battles in like the old the old Battlefront games. Oh yeah, on Kashyyyk. Well, that's weird. I thought you said you weren't going to consider the video games. I didn't consider them for the characters, oh. but it's just a fun. <clears throat> Don't twist my words. Okay. <laughs> Chewbacca wouldn't. <laughs> Anything else on Chewbacca? I mean, I'm trying to think of what else I maybe want to add. I mean, he does have some smart Alec comments here and there, which I guess we don't get to fully appreciate. But but Han's able to translate them roughly for us, which I, I do I do enjoy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chewbacca is pretty self explanatory. He's he's the best companion somebody could ever ask for. Yeah. So I I think that that's how he got him here. All right, I'll kick it back to you. Okay. So number five on the worst list. This one we won't have so much to talk about. Maybe. Zam Wessel. Did you even know the last name? What do you know? Did you know Zam Wessel? I had to, when, when you when you said it. Uh-huh. Uh, let me see. Okay, so yeah, it's it's it's, it's the uh, the hired gun the, the, the of Django. Uh, yeah. So in the prequels, which a lot of people have their own opinions on, Zam is hired by Django Fett to take out Senator or Queen Amidala. I, first of all, I don't know why Django high outsourced this. So I understand yeah. Django's pain. All he wants to do is find good help. Well, and, I mean, Django's very popular. Maybe he is so freaking busy that he has to subcontract all these things. See, you would think so. <laughs> but he has enough time to like fly in and personally check on it. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. is he really that busy? Yeah, because... Was he at the diner? Cause, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, said it basically, it's what, episode two where... Yeah, it's uh, episode two. Was, it's where uh, one of the failed assassination attempts ends in this big chase scene where uh, eventually Zam is caught up with and ultimately is being interrogated uh, until uh, Jango's able to, to save the day 
uh, from his perspective and and shoot a killing shot. So he's he's on site at the assassinations. It it opens up an interesting discussion. As you so yeah. Explain. So l- let's start this off right. So you know Queen Amidala is supposed to be or Senator Amidala is supposed to be in danger, right? And it's supposed to be kind of like not so blatant, but like the first attempt is like you open episode two and essentially like one of her ships blows up, <laughs> blows up on the landing platform. And, like, remember her her impersonator, her stun yeah. double, you know, died. So it's like, why do you start off with the explosion? Why is that the first attempt? <laughs> that, that's a real, that's like going from zero to 100. Or especially, too, like, if you're doing an assassination attempt and you need some kind of verification that she succeeded, an explosion is never a very good approach to that matter because you're not going to be able to maintain very good evidence. I, I'm, I'm sure they have great technology that can do some kind of DNA verification or something with how much... Uh, technological advancements in the Star Wars universe. I'm sure so, there's something okay. they can okay, do. Okay, so fine. You know what? Maybe we forgive that. Okay, fine. Second attempt, she, like, sends a droid to center Amidala's window, and the droid releases these two slug-esque things that are supposed to, you know, go and, like, poison and, and kill her. Obviously, that's thwarted by the Jedi. And then it leads to one of the coolest parts of that movie, which is somehow... Obi-Wan, like, majestically diving out the window to hold on to that droid in the, in the chase scene. But then, Zam kills the droid with, like, some sniper rifle. So you're like, why didn't she just use a sniper rifle to kill Senator Amidala? <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of questions, and, and yeah, but, some of Zam's decisions are, are, are definitely see, questionable. Th- no, this is like when you were given a Christmas present. And you don't really want to use it, but you're like, oh, I was given this, so I might as well use it. So, I mean, I'm more curious in exploring for a second Django's approach on this again. So, 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 so Django's decided that for for whatever reason, you know, whatever it may be, if he doesn't have time, if he doesn't yeah. think it's worth this time, whatever the heck it is, he he uh, gives his contract to, to Zam essentially. Yep. And so, at this point, you've had that first failed attempt at the explosion. So, if you're Django. Maybe you're you're thinking, oh crud, this is really bad. Maybe I need to take it over because our cover is kind of blown. Because you know, assassination isn't as great when somebody knows there's an assassin coming <laughs> presently. So that I mean, you've already kind of got a little bit of of uh, lost cause there, and from that front, um, and and so it, Django's there, obviously later. So is he supervising the whole time, kind of figuring out, hey, what went wrong with this? What what's wrong with this person? And, and if so. One, why didn't he take it over after the first failed attempt? Does he see something in Zam that thinks eventually this could be a higher up in this big conglomerate? Now hold on here. Do you think, do you think they were lovers? I, I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, I've learned not to rule anything out when it comes to. I mean, uh, well, I mean, large say, universes. Yeah, like this. I mean, you know, we would probably sick our loved ones with a poison dart, <laughs> right? Like you know, our wives. You know, if they pissed us off enough, we'd probably just. If they're going to spill all the trade secrets. Yeah, you know. But, like, you know, why doesn't she wear a mask or a bigger disguise? You know, like, I, I don't get it. Well, I, I mean, I guess, what, if you can transform, it's not, it, it, Anyways, it's its own thing. But. This is almost more on Django. But anyway, Zam, terrible hire, should not have been included, was thwarted immediately. I mean, that's, you, that's, you get kind of like a Looney Tunes element, though. It's like a Tom and Jerry uh, with a failed assassination attempt, so like a Coyote Roadrunner kind of deal. So yeah. it's mildly entertaining from that that front, but but yeah, I wouldn't consider Zam to be very effective at her job. <laughs> Not at all. Okay, go on to your number four, sir. All right, going into number four. Here we've got uh, Leia. I'm not going to call her princess or general or anything like that. I'm just going to call, call her Leia. But ultimately, uh, a character that's pretty consistent in the series, starting with the end of episode three, I guess, if if you want to count her being born. But <laughs> so, okay, but but Leia is a constant in the series from that point on. Um, but but ultimately, some of the big things about Leia is, is that kind of in, in movies up to that time, you always had you know the stereotypical you know damsel in distress kind of deal to mm-hmm. where. It, it was very almost like offensive how badly some of the female characters were written. They were, weren't given, you know, more personality or weren't able to, to do things of their own. Whereas Leia was smart, funny. She could take care of herself. She wasn't 
helpless necessarily. I mean, and Threat Series, she's captured multiple times, uh, so that's that that still happens just because of you know the circumstance she's in but you know she's a very strong character who who knows how to get things done knows how to talk to people isn't necessarily this cowardly person um and so she's she's got a very strong personality which can only be matched by certain others in the series i would say um but but going for just for the characters you, you kind of see her develop over time and I guess one of the positive things on the the newer trilogy is you kind of see her settle into, you know, her her military role to where she gets to shine some of her better attributes where she's good at reading people, what they're good at, what what it is that they can bring to the table mm-hmm. and, and seeing that potential people knowing how to delegate and trust where appropriate um, and and kind of go with with those types of feelings. So I think those are some of the positive qualities she ends up turning into the kind of like the best managerial figure in, mm-hmm. in the series towards the end. Uh, so I think those are a lot of the positives about her. Um, but, but yeah, she's also entertaining to watch because she has some pretty funny one-liners here and there. She she gets to to do more than just being in the background. Yeah, so she is very strong. Obviously, in the newer trilogy, um, more leadership, mentor kind of role. You know, she must be the most, like, you know, deceivingly strong because somehow she was able to choke out Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I don't understand that. How strong would you have to be? Well, I guess one of the parts, too, is, like, they, they never fully, I guess, really invest into it. But how much strength through the force she does and doesn't have. But, like, like, early on in the original trilogy, it wasn't really... Well, I guess it doesn't... It doesn't rule out that that wasn't a factor because later they show that she has some some more overt powers, like with the the eighth episode. So, the whole Mary Poppins so you thing. Can, so I mean, I mean, looking at the entirety of the the trilogy, even though it didn't seem obvious at the time, I guess it could play a factor. But uh, yeah, again, fantastic character. Obviously, you know, the original movies were late seventies, early eighties, so it was a different time. But like you know, more of a you know sex symbol with the whole bikini. On, you know, on Java's ship. Um, really great that they were still able to use her a little in episode 9, you know, mm-hmm. the whole death. And, you know, that adds stakes to it in its own way. Um, no, it, it's a great pick. I can't argue with it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. checking out Jabba the Hutt. It's a great achievement in its own, too. But yeah. It is. Okay. All right, okay. I'll move on to you. So, number four, Viceroy Gunray. <laughs> so, the reason he makes this list, do you know what his first name is? Nate. I thought it was Newt or something. Newt? Hey, hold on. I'm, I'm going to pull this up. Oh, Nathan's pulling it up. So let me tell you about Viceroy Gunray. All right, so he is one of... Yeah, it's, it's Newt. N-U-T-E. Do not, do not defile Damn my name it. here. I, <laughs> I knew it was Newt. I'm just trying to screw you with it. But it's close to Nate. But Viceroy Gunray, he is like... He should be a bigger villain than he is. Right, he's you know one of the main leaders of the separatist movement. Um, you know he's a big speaker of the Trade Federation, but he is established immediately as like just a, being a tool. <laughs> he's just a very small pawn for Lord Sidious, and it, it it comes off as like he's the first boss in a video game, <laughs> the very first boss, like maybe even half Habsy, not not a full boss. He's like a midway point. He doesn't do anything sinister. He's just a joke. Also, you know, people have spoken. There's like, there may be racist undertones there <laughs> with their speech inflection in their carb. Also, it is just the worst to listen to. Yeah. Oh, I... Senator Amadala, we must get to the Senate. You know, like <laughs> things like that. It's really bad. But like, <laughs> he gets, and he dies like a punk in the third movie. He's all cowering. You know, he's supposed to be, again, he's supposed to be, you know, they're on Mustafa. And, you know, they're hanging out in this cool room. And then, you know, Anakin just comes and just slaughters him. It's another cool plan, though. Just everything's, you know, fire. Yeah. You must go to the Mustafa system. But, like, it, it just, it's a subplot. And I guess it's important. It's probably, it might be a little overbearing in episode one. Just the whole, like, Hey, we have these this trade federation, and you know they're like, hey, anti-government, and just you know, abolish everything. It's just, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think one of the interesting takeaways is that 
in the Star Wars universe, I mean, it's hard to kind of create a villain who's more purely political in nature and not any kind of latent abilities or anything like that. Like, not, not, so basically, because you got, I mean, obviously the Emperor, who's a freaking Sith Lord, who's who's got some powers behind the, that, that, that. See, but isn't that the problem? Because he's never the main villain. You know, yeah. an episode, whether it's Darth Maul, whether it's Count Dooku... Whether it's Anakin and the Emperor, like, he's never a focal point. He's just, like, the annoying little brother that's there, you know, trying to rebel. Because, yeah. I mean, I think it would be interesting if if he was propped up more as a more prominent figurehead, where he, he's kind of been bigger, um, to where, you know, he, he's kind of some somebody that stands in the front so everybody else can kind of work in the shadows. And, mm-hmm. and in some ways, he kind of is, um, be, being in his spot in the, the Trade Federation and so forth, but... I think he kind of highlights an absence in like true good evil political figures in the series because because you know that element could be flushed out a lot more at least as far as the movies go. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's it. Kind of highlights you know that element. But yeah, uh, Gunray and himself is, is when it when it's all said and done it is kind of useless because I mean correct like, when why, it comes why to was physical force leader, you know. <laughs> That, that, that's why. That's why, I mean. Think. I think there's potential there to to you know build in more backstory and, and stuff like that to show why that's the case. Because um, yeah, he's also not very. When you watch him, he's not. He doesn't have that commanding presence that no. A lot he's of a little like you know. Uh, he's like. Do you ever watch Recess? The 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 animated show. I know. There's a guy named Ruffles. Randall. There's a kid named Randall. There's Randall wearing snitch. a hat. No, no, he's no, a little he's, snitch. He's, he had the blonde. No, it's like reddish curly. It's almost oh, like no, your no, hair. Okay. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. No, okay. Yeah, he's just the little annoying, like conniving snitch. Yeah, his battle droids are the only thing that like ever gets him ahead. But that was really only in the first movie when they took over like the palace. Yeah, that was about I, it. I mean, I agree. It's just they never fully validate why he of all people would, would be somebody that everyone wants to listen to. Yeah. So I, I, okay. I, I think it's a, a decent pick. All right. So here, number three, we're going in. It's another iconic character of the series that you're gonna always see. I have Mr. Yoda at this point. Mr. Yoda. Mr. Yoda is what it's I'm gonna Mr. call. Mr. Okay. <laughs> but fine. I'll call him Master Yoda if that's if that's better. I, that is better. But uh, so if if you're not familiar with Star Wars. It, which I don't know why you're still listening to this uh, podcast. If you because haven't. we're intoxicating. But uh, uh, Yoda is a green man from a species that is not fully described. But um, ultimately, he kind of serves throughout the series when he's there as kind of the mentor, to where he is the the Mister Miyagi of sorts uh, of the Star Wars universe. To where you know, especially in the original trilogy, episodes one through three. I almost said original trilogy, but uh, huh. the, the prequel trilogy, I guess, uh, with ones through three. I mean, he, he kind of plays the you know wise advisor of sorts. Um, only enters into combat when absolutely necessary at, at this stage in his career, um, and and then later in episodes four through six, he mentors Luke, uh, and it seems at that point he's uh, gotten some kind of addiction to crack cocaine because he is much more uh, active and, and hyper than he was in the uh, episodes one through three phase. Yeah. <laughs> but, but ultimately, I mean, he kind of serves this, this role where he provides, you know, words of wisdom here and there. But also at the same time, he's almost a great character because he's not perfect. There are certain things he isn't able to see coming, certain things he isn't able to perceive to where he still has those human elements, uh, I would say, to where he, he is not omnipotent or omniscient in, in either of those senses. Um, and, and in some cases he can sense conflict or he understands, you know, something negative may come out, but he lets that person or that event choose to play out yeah. as they are. He, he kind of gives the freedom to let that person choose their own path. He doesn't always necessarily, you know, interfere and, and try to force somebody into something. He still has some kind of unstated belief that everybody should have their own freedom to choose. So I think I, that's something that, you know, leads to some negative things happening, but, but it's also, it, it's a much believable, relatable sense that, that comes about. And because of that, 
he, he's like <clears throat> the best guidance counselor. Yeah. You know, like they give you some snippets of their experiences, but ultimately they don't force you to do, do anything, right? Like, you know, they're, they're there if you want to ask them questions. Um, you know, he, he kicks ass in the prequels, you know, when it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great, great fight with Count Dooku, great fight with Lord Sidious in the third movie. Um, you know, he gets knocked around. But <laughs> it's cool when he fights Emperor Palpatine at the end of the third movie. Like, he walks into his office or whatever. Great fight. Um, in the newest trilogy, again, ultimate, like, mentor shows up when he has to. Very interesting force lightning and things that burn the sacred text. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just iconic. The most iconic character. You know, even, like, you know, with Mandalorian, like, Grogu. Again, quote-unquote, baby Yoda. There's, yeah. there's a reason why it's so popular. Because Yoda paved the way. I mean, and, and similar to the Chewbacca guttural sounds, <clears throat> you mentioned Yoda, and somebody's immediately going to say something, oh, a great character he is. What was that? A great character he is. Yikes. I'm trying to provide worse and worse impersonations to the point that you become irate. I won't. Master Yoda taught me better. <laughs> Do you have a Yoda impersonation you would uh, like to... Maybe at the end. A Yoda impersonation you would like to do? Okay, so we're going to go on. <laughs> we're going to go on now to my number three. Uh, Rose Tico. So, let's talk about Rose, right? Newest trilogy. Maybe the most polarizing trilogy. Because, you know, original trilogy, universally loved. Prequels... Generally hated, although I like it. The last three movies really split. <laughs> Either love them or you hate them, and all three are completely different. That's probably why there's such a mixed reaction. Rose was inserted into episode eight. I don't really know why. <laughs> so, like, you know, first of all, episode eight, very probably the most polarizing. But, like, it splits the main three characters you want to see together. You want to see the three, you know, you want to see Ray, and you want to see Poe, and you want to see Finn all, you know, joining up and teaming up. But, like, she is devised as, like, this holier-than-thou person who, like, preaches and all these things. Like, you know, they go, she tells Finn that he's horrible for leaving. Like, who is she? She's just, like, some mechanic-esque person. Uh, why does she get to tell one of the heroes that, hey, he's wrong and I'm not going to you know, let you leave and all this other stuff? Two, she gets to be a focal point in some pointless side mission. So <laughs> they have to go on some weird sabotage event. Um, and she, all she does it's is... It's a cool go- scene, though. At least like the filming and effects and stuff. At least you get that out of it. It's pointless. Okay, and then all she does while she's there is preach about... Things like, you know, anti-capitalism and child slavery and animal rights. All these things that, like, yeah, sure, they're bad, but, like, she comes off as, like, too preachy. Like, it sounds like she's trying to be cooler or, like, deeper than she is, but she's really not. And then, like, she almost ruins the entire resistance at the end. Like, she stops Finn, you know, from going into the convoy. Yeah. Like, why? And then she kisses him. The only redeeming factor I can say is that episode nine got it right with her and pretty much pretty much pretended like she didn't exist. But like it just seemed like she was inserted to have more strong female characters, and that's fine, but like she wasn't flushed out. I don't know what her original motivations were. Yeah, she lost her sister. And yes, that's tragic. But like, okay, everyone's lost everything. They're the resistance. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I see you're kind of talking about the new trilogy, and they're kind of yep. all over the place. They're not quite as coherent as the other two trilogies were, but I think the biggest thing here is the unused potential of the character. Because, I mean, even with Episode Eight, the way you kind of set it up and, and talked about where, where she was as a character, yep. there's still ways to develop that further, because um, to, to, basically she's kind of like this idealistic person kind of deal. To where, I mean, from a character development standpoint, if you commit to the character, I mean, there's other things you could do. Like, maybe she sees something and says, oh, hey, you know, this world is more gray. Some people are going to make bad choices. I understand that th- this is, you know, 
kind of how the world is, maybe this would be a better way to improve things. Maybe maybe taking a different approach to trying to make the world a better place than you know, talking down to other people or something like I don't know. Like I think there's different directions you could take the character from there if you commit to doing it. So it's weird because then you, you set up this character that in a lot of ways seemed kind of unfulfilled and, and doesn't get the justice she probably deserves, especially based on the screen time you commit to her in the one film, you know, it's kind of weird that she kind of abandoned her character development a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so I, it's just wild to me that she came in like immediately owned one of the main characters, just whooped his butt. And the, then like, again, well, no follow up. Cause the thing is at the end too, you could have created her into this very powerful character. And, and, and especially with the star Wars universe, I feel like any character who doesn't have, you know, like force capabilities or something like that, it's really strong when you're able to show how they're able to, yeah. you know, navigate the universe and still use other talents and abilities and skills they have to be successful. And I think this is one of those cases where you really could have done that too, but it, it just feels like they kind of abandoned her. <laughs> and so yeah, they it, absolutely it, did. it makes her as a character just feel so unfulfilled, I guess. And so I, I, I think I share your disappointment. I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. Okay, cool. Yeah. So going into number two, this is another character, once again, that, I mean, all the characters on my list people should be familiar with, I think, but uh, number two, Han Solo, and so I, I just mentioned right now, you know, with, with Rose that, you know, it's really powerful in this series where somebody doesn't necessarily have force capabilities or, or some kind of, you know, overt powerful talent that's really hard to manage, and Han Solo is really the epitome of that. I mean, he basically comes from nothing, um, you know, he, he's raised himself up and kind of turned him into, you know, the, this crazy uh, element into the universe where, I mean, he's a smuggler, he does all kinds of different things, but he's he, he's basically built himself from the ground up and has learned you know, to survive and succeed mm -hmm. against people who are much more powerful than him, possibly. You know, in, in some ways, he's kind of like the Batman uh, of the universe where Batman doesn't necessarily have any, uh, you know, latent superhero abilities like, you know, laser eyesight or... Yeah. Uh, laser eyesight does not make sense. Uh, that's <laughs> not what I meant to say. He's like Cyclops. <laughs> but, <laughs> basically, he doesn't have any spare... But, like, unlike Batman, he didn't even start off with the money and inheritance that Batman had to where Batman, you know, had all these, you know, financial resources at his disposal. Yeah. Han Solo literally started from absolutely nothing and has somehow survived in a universe where money and power and, and literal powers mean a lot and take you a lot, uh, take you further than, than other people are able to get. And not only that, but he's hilarious. He brings a lot of comedy to the series. He, he's somebody that you can genuinely root for. Um, he, he's kind of uh, the perfect counterpart to what we mentioned with Leia earlier, which is probably why they fell in love, because both of them are, you know... It kind, of, it kind of cut from the same stone to yeah. where they're not easily phased by what happens around them. They're two people who are hard to where, you know, bad things are going to happen, but they're going to find a way to manage. They're going to find a way to get out of it. And they're not going to absolutely lose their cool because they've seen bad things happen before. No situation's too insurmountable for them. Or even if it is, they're not going to go down without a fight. Yeah, I mean, again, the ultimate, you know, bad boy you want to root for... <laughs> <laughs> for, for lack of a better term, um, really probably the best example of it, it's the most organic love story told throughout all of Star Wars. Yep. You know, the, the slow burn and the hatred and playful nature of him and Leia. Um, he is someone that he is the first person that makes ups the stakes, right? He gets frozen in carbonite. You know, they, they go on a whole revenge mission, you know, and you know, rescue mission for him. Um, you think he deserts you at the end of the first episode four, but he comes back and helps save yeah. the day. He is the ultimate guy who like looks out for himself, but you know deep down he he's for the greater cause. Yeah, I think the character development on that standpoint is pretty great too. Because yeah, like I said, he, I mean, to survive in the past, he's had to you know always kind of think about where he fits into the equation. But especially as you go through that series too, you see that you know he also does deeply care about other people. So. 
you know, especially over time, he'll he'll do what it takes to save, you know, Chewie or Luke, Leia, like yeah, I mean, all dude, those other yeah, people. Yeah, he went like, out on Hoth whenever he was told not to. He'll you know, he'll do what it takes for his friends when it comes down to it. So like despite all that he's been through and all the things he's seen and what it's taken for him to get there, he, he still thinks about others. And yeah. so you get really good character development there too, to where you know I mean ultimately his own downfall too is because he cares about others. Like I mean, lo- loving his son despite everything that's happened, and-, and he's willing to put himself into a vulnerable position as such to where, you know, it, it really shows that even after all that and how hardened do you think the universe would have made him at that point, he still has not lost that human element about him. And he does shoot first. <laughs> he does. He, does. He, does. He, does. he doesn't wait and shoot second. Anyway. Um, so let's go on to my number two here. Vice Admiral Holdo. So again, kind of back to you know the newer trilogy, episode eight. Holdo, okay, played by Laura Dern, is like someone who is just propelled into into this position of power after Leia goes all Mary Poppins, like she comes out of nowhere. Mary Poppins. It, okay, it was very Mary Poppins esque, was it not? <laughs> okay, she is like, she comes off as like a condescending jackass. She's just a clown. Okay, so like, <laughs> she comes in, and it almost seems like she has this thing against, you know, this thing against Poe, where, like, I, just this personal dislike. So, like, you know, she's she's very secretive with her plan, right, to, like, slowly guide away the Resistance, and then they're going to, like, all get on the escape pods, right, and then leave as they're running out of fuel, which, again, Episode Eight is the slowest police chase ever. <laughs> It really is the whole the whole movie is just a police chase, but it's slow. It's it, it's entirely slow. But like, why not tell someone your plan? Like, it's a life or death situation. So like, I could see why Poe would be a little like, why aren't you? What's going on? Why are we? Why are you not giving me any info? And it seems really petty of her to like just use her like you know her platform now to like just hold a grudge and and just not inform him, which ultimately leads to his pointless arc of like. Rebelling against it and causing some insurrection, it just it, it doesn't seem necessary. And then, like the, my least favorite part of her, Nathan, is that like she never gets any comeuppance at all. Like she was a jerk this entire time. She like Poe turns it around for like five seconds, but then like she just gets back in control. So like she she was a jerk the whole time. Well, I mean. I guess the main counterpoint is, I mean, her plan worked. I guess her plan was to kind of trust no one. Is that the kind of leader you want to be? You uh, want to deceive mean, all of your people? I, I guess in a life or death situation like that, she had kind of, kind of already uh, mentally made up the decision that she's going to die. And that at that point, she doesn't really need anybody else for her plan. So as long as she kind of, you know, does what she does to... Or does what it takes to maintain control and make sure that nobody is going to at least foil the plan that she has in place. I don't know. The only person she needs to rely on herself, I guess, maybe there truly is nobody else on the ship that she can be 100% confident in. But the, the issue, too, is you need somebody that she's 100% confident in that she can also utilize to help keep See, everybody along but, with the plan. But to me, that goes against everything that the Resistance stands for. So, like, at the end, they try to redeem her. You know, she starts talking about, like, you know, hope and, and you know, last chances and, you know, standing up to, to the First Order. But, like, it, it just seems fake to me. And, yeah, mm-hmm. like, her sacrifice was cool and whatever. But it's it's almost like the Severus Snape argument. I know it's Harry Potter and it's a quick tangent. <laughs> but, like, everyone's like, oh, he redeemed himself. No, he was still a jerk <laughs> the entire time. That doesn't, like, make everything 100% okay. I just, I don't see... And the plot, why she couldn't tell her plan to everyone and be transparent and not solve the same thing. Just, I mean, if you had any kind of ounce that there's at least one snitch among you. Where are they going, though? But, but I guess who are they going to communicate? Like they, I guess the other element would be is if she doesn't want anybody to know that she plans on sacrificing herself in case it becomes a conflict to where people don't want her doing that or you get a variety of people who would like to do it in her her place and so she doesn't want to invite that 
because she's kind of already made up her mind, I'm the one who needs to, to die for this plan kind of deals. I guess that's the one redemption that I could kind of think of. Like, And I guess I'll cut her some slack because at the end of the day, it worked. Like she she did succeed, so so. But they got cut her, down by like eighty percent. But her, like they lost so many ships. <laughs> her eventually, I mean, she, she was able to. to do you think? Save. It, do you think it was her plan initially that she was going to die, or do you think uh, she thought it was going to work? That's what's hard to tell. I mean, it, this is where you get into kind of like with any of like these types of uh, movies. You know, you get into a lot of assumptions, so it's really hard to say. Okay, what what her plan was, so. I can't fully agree or disagree. Now, what I will tell you, what we do agree on, is that you should never trust anyone with purple hair. I thought her hair was pink. It was... Okay, well, uh, let's just say very exciting hair. Let's go with magenta. (laughs) (laughs) It was in the middle. Anyways, yeah. So I just don't feel like she had enough... She didn't have enough build-up to, like, get It would have been great if she was introduced in, like, maybe one of the prior movies to kind of establish who she was. Yeah, because you're maybe, like, who the hell maybe is some this? background on yeah. either why she behaves... Because if, maybe that, if that was her persona, you know, it, it would be, I guess, more genuine. It's just hard to know who her character is when you're only introduced to her at that point in the series. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. But, yeah, so then uh, going to number one here. Whew. Number one. It's a very tough spot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's choosing everybody in the universe. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people think Han Solo should be number one. No, nope, not at all. Okay. Well, number one is uh, Darth Vader Ugh. or Anakin Skywalker. Okay. I don't think this is a big surprise. Uh, now, child the, Anakin? <laughs> this is inclusive of child okay. Anakin. Any, but uh, don't do that. Please don't ever do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, the most iconic figure of all of the Star Wars people, and pretty much everybody knows who who Darth Vader is. I am your father. But uh, there's your last impression of the day. But uh, you know, once all said and done, the biggest you know debate and conflict in the Star Wars universe is always the battle of. You know, light and dark. You know, the Jedi versus the Sith. You know, which side of the force you're on, and kind of you know finding that balance. And really, throughout the series, I mean, Anakin basically embodies exactly that. I mean, basically fluttering between the light and the dark, kind of showing, you know, the conflict within himself. Um, you know, kind of what's caused him to move in either direction at different points in his storyline. Um, just kind of showing, and, and obviously he's incredibly powerful. Um, he, he's one of the most uh, imposing figures at almost all points of his military career of sorts. Mm-hmm. To where I mean, he, he he has a lot of power just based on you know the strength he has with the force, regardless of which way he's using it at any given time. Um, I mean, he he looks freaking cool. <laughs> like I, I don't think. Uh, there, there's so many, you know, villains that are kind of mildly based on it too. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Kylo Ren obviously plays off some of the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the aesthetics of that too. But it's just he's a character who's there. I mean, the James Earl Jones voice, Jones voice, uh, really plays into the, the coolness in the original trilogy as well. Uh, but there's a lot to unpack with Darth Vader. But I guess I'll, I'll kick it to you with your general thoughts on the pick. I can see why you made the pick, right? So, most iconic voice, most iconic, you know, uh, outfit, costume. I think Rogue One really did him justice and made him cool again. Really imposing. Redeemed at the end of the original trilogy. So, I, I can see why you made the pick. It's a very iconic pick. He fits into all the movie stereotypes, but and it ulti- still fits. Like. Ultimately, it is. I mean, it is the Skywalker saga. So, like, yeah, he is the focal point of it. So, like, no, he. I, I want to argue with it, but I really can't. Yeah, I, I mean, really do. I, I want to argue with it, but I, he probably deserves it. And, and in a lot of places too, he's not afraid to be who he is. If he doesn't like something, he'll tell you. If he doesn't like sand, he will let you know that. That's very true. And in fact, he does. And then he, he spits some mad game 
on Padme in, in episode two. That is the best love story ever told. <laughs> so, uh, I think there's a lot to be said about this script for episode two. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just, it's hard to go against. It's just, he's, he's too prevalent in the series to, to really speak much against no. as far as, yeah. you know, his impact as a character. It's predictable, but deserved. Yeah. So kind of the same thing with my number one pick, which you could probably already guess. Jar Jar Banks. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it almost wasn't, because I almost thought it was too easy. But, let's talk about this Gungan. Okay. Introduced in the first film, episode one, um, apparently he was inspired by Goofy of Disney fame. I could see that. Yep. You know, he, he was brought on, you know, to sell merchandise and things like that. And he looked cool, I guess, at first, if you didn't know him. But, like, he's just a bumbling idiot. And... You see why. So, like, Boss Nos, which is like the le- the leader of the Gungans, right? He exiled Jar Jar Binks. Right? That's the whole point. And then, you know, they're kicking him out. They didn't want him. That guy was smart. Okay. <laughs> then you have Qui-Gon Jinn, like an idiot. <laughs> like, it takes ownership. He, like, takes ownership <laughs> of him. And he provides nothing to the first movie at all. He's brought along... He is supposed to be some, like, comic relief, but all he does is make terrible, like, poop jokes and weird noises, and he gets lucky at the end of the first movie. Somehow he's just, like, slinging these orbs (laughs) and somehow hits some of the droid things. Uh, That's bad. Okay, but then let's go to episode two. So, like, it's time for, like, Senator Amidala to, like, go and hide on Naboo, and that's fine. But, like, she needs to appoint a replacement. Who does she appoint, Nathan? (laughs) Mr. JJ. What kind of foresight is that? Like, why why would you have this person speak for Naboo? Maybe it's just, like, an overall critique on government. (laughs) Maybe. It's like, look, look, I'm glad he wasn't in the movie a lot, but he was given this position of power... That makes absolutely no sense. He definitely does not have the general prerequisites you'd expect. Yeah. So, like, episode two, he was subdued, but he was given more power. And then episode three, he plays a pivotal role here. Okay. Because, essentially, he gives, like, the deciding vote, or, like, makes the call to arms to give, you know, Lord Sidious, you know, control of the Senate, or those emergency powers. Why are we giving that to Jar Jar? Why, why? <laughs> so he essentially causes the downfall of the Republic, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he is the catalyst for it. It's like he's an idiot. The other idiots made the idiot have power, and then Jar Jar somehow just said, "You know what? We need Palpatine to have all this emergency power." Yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything. Like it, it just. I think it doesn't make sense. I think it could be summarized as follows: He's not useful, but even more unforgivably, he's not funny. He doesn't. Pre- he's not. He, like, he should have been forgotten, like Rose was in Episode Nine. He like, should have just been like, like, we're gonna write you I, out. I guess we kind of talked about our list, like, but like, if you're not going to be useful, you need to at least be funny, or you could at times be useful and funny, kind of like a C three PO kind of deal. Yeah, you know, there's so many great characters that you know. It, they have some kind of balance that you can appreciate, whereas Jar Jar fails in all kinds of categories. It's just, you know, there's there's not that many scenes where you say, oh, thank goodness Jar Jar's here. Correct. Actually, I can't think of one scene where I say, thank goodness Jar Jar's here. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, uh, apart from, you know, getting lucky in the, 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 the defense, I, I really don't know. Misa, take great... this with great humility. <laughs> great, Misa, Jar Binks. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's really bad. Finally, got you to do an impression, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's that, that, that. I mean, it's a fair point. Um, so, I guess we could be jumping into a, a rabbit hole here. Okay, on the honorable mention side, I, I'll limit it. I will okay, limit this. Like, I feel like you could spend probably days talking about. At least the honorable mentions on the best side. I okay. mean, the worst side, I feel like there's some characters who are definitely worse than others. Um, I, I guess I'll just say, so on the worst side, you know, some of the other characters. I feel like there were some bad ones in episode one. 
who who are kind of that would have made the worst list or like who that would have been like like i mean i could go without hearing Watto talk for a while you know and you mentioned earlier too there there's a fair amount of characters that they threw in from different you know alien races and stuff that depending on how you perceive them could come across as racist too like it's just that they, they fit stereotypes that pertain to you know earth races so like if you make those connections, it makes these characters seem somewhat offensive. You it's know, up to you, I guess, to make those here's, connections. Here's my quick thoughts here. <clears throat> I, I thought about Watto. I don't hate Watto like other people hate Watto. He makes sense as a character. He's like he, he's just trying to survive. He's just trying to run his rinky-dink shop. Child slave or slavery in general was it wasn't just him. It was a whole norm. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, he's not he's not in that sense he's. He's not going anymore. with the status quo, which yeah. doesn't make him. Good, you know, he's but. just trying to gamble, and he's down on his luck. He's just trying to make ends meet, essentially. Yeah. So no, I don't hate Watto. Oh, and he wants to fix my shit. Yeah, and he's he, you know, he's a Twidarian, so like you know he, he's he can somehow resist <laughs> all the Jedi mind tricks. That one may be the most accurate of the impersonations I've. Made. You did a fantastic he, job. The other ones were were incredibly off, yeah. laughably off, but okay. Uh, but I guess uh, uh, it got the name of the Gungan leader, uh, Boss Boss Nas. Boss Nas, and uh, that he—I mean, he—he's kind of an annoying character to a certain extent too. I mean, that the I, I don't understand like his like not burps, but like yeah, I mean, like his throat. It's like they try to add in weird things to like add For, unique things to these different you know, correct races, and it just like it's already cool. It's underwater, and that's cool. But yeah. it's like, yeah. So you, you kind of add in these maybe unnecessary quirks. Um, last thing I'll add in, uh, I don't know if this should go on the best or worst, but the Cantina band, uh, who only plays one song consistently. Now, I will say, whenever they did the uh, the original trilogy updates in like 97, and they added those like extra singers, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But but that they, goes on the worst list. They added like... You need to go back and see it. In the cantina Which, scene, there's like a, a green lady lizard now. That's they they. I'm going to show you when we get I off the podcast. Okay, the, there's the edits other, and it's really bad. What I remember being really cringy is the uh, there's at, the guy at, that goes oh tiki tiki. Oh, oh, I'll, I'll show you at, at Jabba's place. There's yeah. the, the the musical performance there. I find that really cringy. I guess I guess that's more so what I'm talking about. My bad. Okay, you're right. Is that 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 I. I, I will definitely Okay, that's fair. But fair. actually, you know, as far as the worst list go, as long as Jar Jar's on there, I think the, the job has been successful. <laughs> so okay. I'll leave it at that. All right, so I guess hit me up on the, the best list side. Is there anybody you prefer okay. to see in the top five? Okay. Newer. But All right, no. this is what I'm going to do. is I'm going to make you say somebody, but then you're going to have to tell me who you take out. And I can I can name mine again. Just quickly name yours. Give me the five people. Go. Okay. I had Chewbacca. Yep. I had Leia. Yep. I had Yoda. I had Han Solo, and I had Darth Vader. So so you can tell me. Okay. Tell me the character, and then tell me who yep. you swap over. If you can't name somebody, like you're no, not it's easy. Sure. I got. Okay. It. I would put Mando in there. Okay, that's fair. So I would put Mando in there. I would swap out Leia. Okay. I can I can understand that. Mando's. He's been handled perfectly, I think. Yep. Uh, just the right amount of humility and care and badassery and everything was perfect. So again, if you haven't seen the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, best Star Wars content in a long time. I would put him in there. Other people I considered, I considered Boba Fett. Also, because he was redeemed in in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Seems to. Again, that's awesome. And also, he survived the Sarlacc. Who survives the Sarlacc, dude? <laughs> Nobody. Okay. So that's fantastic. Weird. So you would have swapped out either of those for Leia. I would have swapped out Leia. So here's one. I may have swapped out Chewbacca for this one. Because it's it's like a five. Kind of a ran- random pick here. But a Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. Here, here's the thing. I love Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. One. In episode four, he has like this weird respect of like Vader respects him. It's almost like he controls him. So I remember the beginning of episode four, they're having like a roundtable meeting, and like one of the one of the generals, I guess, or whatever, was like questioning Vader and the force. And then, you know, Moff Tarkin just goes, you know, enough of this, and just shuts it down. And then like he's also brought back 
in Rogue One. That was actually like, really cool. It was really effects. cool. I and like he's just this. He's the perfect blend of like old man, veteran. I don't want to cross you. Ness, like it all, it all meshes together. Like you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like old people, are like whatever. But like he, he just he commands this respect, and it's very interesting. Like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to cross. I'm like none of the other generals or whatever, or admirals uh, for the dark side were ever as feared mm-hmm. or respected. I don't think. I don't know. It's just he had a calmness about him, but you didn't want to screw with him. He had the perfect demeanor. Yeah, I don't think anybody can argue against that. No. Like, hey, you know what? He. He's one of those people that you almost wouldn't mind if he had more screen time. Correct. In the movies. But I think he's remembered fondly because he, he wasn't overexposed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, to, where, to where it's like they... It's kind of like Boba Fett at the beginning. Like, it, there wasn't a lot. It's kind of like he was only shown enough to where it made you want more, as if they kept making him more pervasive. It would it would lose some of that intrigue, I guess. Yeah. That's that's fair. Uh, yeah. The last two quick points I'll say. I loved K2SO. Is that is that Rogue the one. Rogue, okay that oh, some people hated K two S O I loved K two S O I thought it was again I know talking droids with sass I know it's overplayed loved it you know I I, I gotta agree um, honorable mentions like as far as minor characters go or, or lesser exposed characters go yeah K two S O was great um, I also really got a kick out of. Uh, the, I can't. I can't think of the droid's name in Solo. the The one who's all about droid rights and stuff. Oh, is, yeah. Is going on about why droids are subservient to humans and how oh, droids should be treated as equal. It. I think it's I'll another code it as well, similar to the K two S O. But but yeah, ultimately, I think some of the the one off droid characters that they've entered in on on some of the other series, I think, are hilarious. Like it, I think they did a great job with them. It's L three thirty seven. Yeah, see, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to remember that. But I think those are some of like the better characters because it's nice to see some personality entered in there, and it, it kind of makes you on their own because because of what they bring. It kind of makes you reconsider some of your preconceived notions about the different droids that are at play in the series too. So I think that's good. The, there's one last guilty pleasure mention. Okay. That. I love, I know a lot of people hate, but uh, and also in Rogue One, director Krennic. Okay. I loved Krennic. Here's why. He is just trying to move up on the Empire what? side. He's trying to move up in the world, but like he's always getting crushed by management. And it's, <laughs> there's something there that is very relatable to real life, right? Like you're trying your hardest and like, you know, you're asking about these promotions <laughs> and things, but all you're doing is getting pooped on by upper management. Is he the one who gets the don't choke in your aspirations quote? Yes. I'm trying to remember when yes. that came Yes, he, he's the place. one guy. And it's like he's trying to politely ask Vader if he's in charge and all these things. He's trying to move up in the world, and he just kind of gets crushed. And I feel bad for him. There's, there's something relatable there as a worker that, like, you know, these other people just trying to step all over him, and there's a power struggle. But, like, I feel bad for him. Man. I'm just going to say this right now. You've already mentioned two of the characters, but the Rogue One characters, they introduced some pretty great characters in the oh, movie. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a kind of standalone movie yeah. in, in, in a lot of ways. But but really, you know, some of the best characters that they've introduced to where, in very little screen time, they're able to present you to character, kind of give you some depth to them, and it's a character that you don't immediately hate. Yeah. It's actually really impressive movie work when you think about it, like... Some of the work they did on Rogue One is incredible from that standpoint. Because, like, we were complaining about, you know, Episode Eight, where they spend a whole movie and they can't give, you know, Rose the justice for building out a great character with how much screen time they're even using. Whereas, like, you know, in in Rogue One, from obviously Jen gets a a lot of screen time, but like they're able to build out all those characters where they have distinct personalities. You kind of have a good feel of their background. You don't hate them. Like and and you're you're rooting for them. What the a great movie! Too. Yeah, like, like Cassian was great. It's it's Chirrut, the the Asian guy, the blind Asian guy, just kicked butt. Like all of them are are pretty great. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy to think about what they did with that movie and you know the runtime they had for that versus you know some of the things we critique elsewhere. Yeah, um, but I, I think Rogue One's just a fantastic movie. It all is. Around. I need to so go I, back and watch it again. Um, do you have any that should have made my worst list? 
that that's where I had the the Watto and the Cantina okay. band. But I, I guess I'll mention. I'm just surprised you didn't complain. I guess I left off like the main characters Luke? of Star Wars. Yeah, I left off Luke. I left off Ray. Like I left off basically the the primary protagonists of the series. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, with, I'm fine. And then and then I guess I left off you know the Emperor too, who's more or less the primary antagonist of. Really is all, all of it. the trilogies. <laughs> like, all of it. I mean, he, he shows up everywhere. Yep. Um, and, and I guess kind of like with with Luke and the Emperor. I mean, they're still great characters. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they just when it comes down to, it, there's not anything incredibly unique about them as there are with some of the other characters on my list. I mean, they're almost more standard. Fit the mold, good See, character. Fit the mold, evil character. But I, I think that's the thing with a lot of stories. You know, a lot of times it's the side characters. That really bring life to it a lot, you know. Even doing anything, even like video games, a lot of times like your hero character, yeah, they're great and all, but it, it's everyone who brings, you know, everyone in your circle that really that's makes actually the is more charismatic it. and uh, more energetic. Um, so no, I totally understand that, man. Yeah, so yeah, and then I mean, I think Ray could have been a much better character too if they explored kind of the light versus dark with her and a little bit more, especially based on her her bloodline. Uh, it, I think that could have been no. Way you know, more she profound. should not have made your list. All right, she left Finn hanging. All right, <laughs> Finn wanted her, and just it just did not happen. I mean, it, it should be said that as far as like power and success goes, she basically uh, whooped Kylo Ren in Episode Seven with no formal training whatsoever. So I yep. that's, that's, even Luke couldn't do that. Like I, I think that that's a very odd thing to note in the series. But no, um, I. It's hard to disagree with a lot of things you'd want to include in the top five. It's just there's way too many good characters than there are slots in this case. Yeah, so real quick, let me touch upon a couple of dishonorable mentions. <laughs> so in episode eight, we're going back to episode eight, DJ, played by Benicio Del Toro. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to remember who DJ was. This random, I'm trying to think of the best two words to describe him. Tweaker hacker? <laughs> Just this guy, they she you know that is met in a prison, that somehow knows how to get into things, and then like ends up you know they they get on you know they get involved with the first you know the first order and you know he betrays them, but like his character just comes out of nowhere. I find him incredibly annoying. I know a lot of people love Benicio del Toro. I don't love this character. It doesn't make sense to me. It's never brought up again. Where did he get these powers? Where, where is he able just to hack and get into things? Um, it kind of yeah. kills... It also kills that whole side mission. Their whole point was to find the guy with, like, the lapel pin or whatever. Yeah. But, like, he just totally kills the need for that. So, like, it, to me, I hate it. Bugs me. Two, a character you're not going to know the name of, Jocasta New. Okay. Episode two. This is the librarian... So Obi-Wan I'm Googling, hold on. Jocasta Nu. And I really hope I'm spelling this right. Okay, I think I found it. Okay. Okay. So I, <laughs> see, you see a picture, so now you know. Yeah. So Obi-Wan is trying to find information on Camino, right? Because he, he learned from his diner friend, you know, about you know, Camino and clones and all that. And like, okay, so she works at the Jedi Library, right? The archives. Yep. She is a Jedi master, apparently. So, but like, all she is is a jerk to Obi Wan. All she does speak in absolutes, and isn't that like the first rule of Jedi is that you don't speak in absolutes? It's like, oh, well, it can't exist. It's not here. Nobody could do that. You know, the archives are complete. Like, she's just so prideful in her work that, that she can't make a mistake. And I'm like, well, why is she here? This goes. This is the antithesis to everything the Jedi stand for. And why would Obi Wan stand for this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> All he wanted was help finding Camino, and she was just so rude. Do you have any, yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, I, do you remember I, her? I don't, I don't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's a very minor character in the series from that aspect. But all the points you make, I would say, are, are valid. Yeah. That she, I, she just drove me mad. It's kind of like the if you ever have a coworker who doesn't think they could ever do anything wrong and. Just kind of in your face whenever you ask yeah. any questions about anything they've done. Like it's, it's kind of the, that embodied in in that element in, in the Star Wars universe. 
But no, man, that, that that was pretty much it. Anything else on your end? No, man. I mean, we could probably talk for, like I said, days. Oh, yeah, no, this. no. We want to I keep mean, this a respectable I'm length. sure we'll probably need to revisit the Star Wars universe, universe in the future. Universe? Uh, universe. But uh, I don't even know what that impersonation was. But maybe rank the movies or something else. Like, we'll... We'll, we'll figure something out, but but yeah, I, I think for today that's that's probably enough. Okay, uh, what were your final thoughts on the beer we had today, the Helicella? I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it's easier than making a Michelada myself, so I I, I appreciate it and I didn't mind it. Um, I think it's the appropriate spice level for people, like depending on your your spice. Like I think it would pass the you know acceptance test for most people whether you're on the lower or the higher spice side i feel like it's it's kind of a good tweener on the spice level okay so i, I think it, it probably appeals yeah. to a, a fair you amount know. of people yeah to me it was like the movie solo you know it was a good time in its own little bubble and <laughs> it was a little spicy at the end when it added darth maul into it and it was a good time you know with like woody harrelson but like it's not it's not its own like you know concrete impactful it's not gonna stay with me forever but it was a good time while I had it okay I'm I'm just gonna accept that description okay well until next time guys go watch some more Star Wars I think it's the moral of the story and we'll see you on the next episode may the force be with you may the force be with you